Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode three of series 12 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. In this series, we're taking a closer look at talent marketplace, what it is, why it's important, and how companies are using it. My guest in this week's episode of the podcast is Ruslan Tubulatov, who first saw how HR and people analytics could be a strategic enabler of innovation during his time at Google. This inspired Ruslan to pivot towards the HR tech field, first by joining Ariana Huffington at Thrive Global, where he worked in senior product and marketing roles for four years, before moving on to his current role as VP Global Marketing at Gloat, the company that first coined the phrase talent marketplace. When I talk with senior HR leaders in large companies, talent marketplace is invariably one of the first topics that gets raised. If you think about it for a moment, this isn't surprising when one considers that a thriving talent marketplace promotes agility, innovation, and efficiency for businesses, enables managers to quickly assemble teams to complete projects, and helps employees develop their careers, learning, and skills. As you'll hear from Ruslan in our conversation, one particularly powerful example of the possibilities afforded by Talent Marketplace saw a manager in Turkey quickly assemble a global team from India, Europe, and Latin America. Together, this team created a new brand of ice cream for the Turkish market. And because the team was global in its nature, they were able to introduce a flavor of ice cream that hitherto didn't exist in Turkey. In our conversation, Ruslan and I discuss the burgeoning HR technology market, the factors driving its growth, why the market has fragmented, and what lies ahead. We look at the challenges involved with running a company in a new category of HR technology. We talk about powerful examples of the business benefits of Talent Marketplace at companies such as Unilever, Schneider Electric, Nestle, Standard Chartered Bank, and Walmart. We take an in-depth look at Talent Marketplace, the benefits it provides to employees, managers, and businesses, as well as the future developments in this field. And we also look at whether Talent Marketplace will mean that jobs won't exist anymore. This episode is a must-listen for anyone interested or involved in HR transformation, internal mobility, workforce planning, people analytics, and HR technology. So that's business leaders, chief HR officers, and anyone in a people analytics, learning, or HR business partner role. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Gloat. Gloat's AI-powered talent marketplace allows enterprises to break down the silos, slowing them down, and enables agile, future-ready workforces. Gloat matches employees with internal opportunities by autonomously aligning talent capabilities and aspirations with the needs of the business. As a result, managers gain frictionless access to untapped talent at speed, reducing their reliance on hiring externally, while employees gain access to meaningful development opportunities and experiences, including projects, new full-time roles, mentorships, and more. The real-time data generated by the platform provides leaders with immediate visibility into the skills, aspirations, and availability of the workforce. Gloat pioneered the talent marketplace category and is trusted by some of the world's leading global enterprises today, including Unilever, Schneider Electric, Standard Chartered Bank, PepsiCo, Nestle, and many more. To find out more, visit gloat.com. That's G-L-O-A-T.com.
Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ruslan Tubulatov, uh, VP of Global Marketing at Gloat, the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the show, Ruslan. It's great to have you on. Um, can you provide listeners with a brief introduction to you and your background, your role at Gloat, and also a bit about Gloat as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great to be here, David. Always a pleasure talking to you. So I'll give you a quick background of my journey to the conversation today. Uh, so I started my career, actually, you'll appreciate this, at uh, running consumer research, large-scale consumer research and data at a company called Kantar Retail. And the reason I mentioned that, it was you know largely running consumer research for the largest retailers and manufacturers in the world. But what that allowed me to do is really gave me insight into how to run an insights team, how to run a data analytics team, which I ended up doing later in my career. And yeah. as we approached, and, and as I got into the HR tech space, Imagine analyzing you know, employee engagement surveys and kind of yearly surveys um, that were coming into us and then um, layering on research on top of that, running focus groups, doing qualitative, quantitative insights. Very powerful for us to actually leverage insights in the work we were doing in the HR space. Um, then moved on to Google and YouTube. A large part of my career was spent you know, in the Google and YouTube ecosystem uh, doing a number of different roles. But what was really powerful uh, in that stint of my career was just seeing the power of HR in an organization like that. You know, with, you had um, Laszlo's team really being a strategic member of almost the innovation that was happening in the company. Yeah. And so during that time, we were, you know, doing Project Aristotle came during that time. You had um, Radical Candor really influencing a lot of the work we were doing during that time. So you really saw how HR could power the strategic arm of a business and even the innovation agenda. But I also saw some of the downsides of a large company, right, where there is a saying when I was at Google, if you want to get promoted, leave and come back. And that is, I mentioned that because it is very much at the heart of why I actually joined the GLOAT team, which we'll get into in a second, because you saw these incredible talent in an organization like that, that was in a way trapped, right? You had to have reorgs all the time and you'd be uncertain what's there for me next. And then you also have these incredibly talented people that are just focused on one problem set, but how do you actually allow them to do more? Um, and that was kind of my first insight into, wow, the power of HR, there's also an opportunity to innovate in this space. And so when I um, got the opportunity to join a smaller company where I felt like I could make even greater impact and really unlock my skills, if you will, um, I did that about uh, almost five years ago now, a company called Thrive Global. So went into the health and well-being space as one of the early employees with Ariana Huffington kind of launching you know, the, the Thrive Global company um, and the behavior change platform really focused on mental health, uh, mental resilience, health and well-being, and did a number of different roles there. So product, partnerships, overseeing strategic partnerships with SAP and Qualtrics, Accenture, a few others, and then eventually ended up running the marketing team and really had a front row seat to this HR tech space, seeing the power of the innovation happening in the space and how it can transform businesses, working with CHROs of some of these largest companies. Yeah. And that journey was amazing, kind of made me fall in love with everything happening in the HR and the people operations space. And when Gloat came along, I just knew I actually had to take this opportunity. So Gloat, um, known for a talent marketplace, right? Really, the way we talk about the, the company is we're really helping democratize careers and career opportunities. We're unlocking skills within organizations and we're future-proofing workforces. And we do that by connecting individuals and their skill sets and capacity right, to the right opportunities within an organization. And when I heard the CEO, Ben, talk about his vision for Gloat, and I went back to what I had experienced as a Googler, you know, and the reason I left, 
it was such a no-brainer to me, the opportunity that existed in this space to really re-envision how we think about talent within organizations. Um, and then you combine that with the amazing customer stories we were hearing, right? So it was a great idea, but then I saw the impact that they were already having at Unilever and Schneider Electric and Standard Chartered Bank and these you know dozens of other companies. Um, and I knew there was something special. So I actually joined at the tail end of, um, I joined in December of 2020, uh, to lead up the marketing function here, but given my background, you know, I have my my finger on the pulse of a lot of things at the company, and, and very excited to see where we take this thing. Right, well, great background as well, and, and and great, you know, you started kind of looking at that consumer research and running effectively a data analytics team, and then going through Google. And it's funny what you say. I won't mention the company where I worked at, but I felt that it was had to do. I would have had to do something similar, you know, leave and then reapply. Because, um, again, there was talent hoarding going on between this particular organization. So if you wanted to go to another opportunity in the company, you had to wait three months. Whereas if I'd resigned and replied as an external hire, I would have been able to start, you know, within four weeks. It's just just crazy. So um, so I think it's great what Globe's doing. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about some of that talent marketplace stuff um, as we go through the next conversation. You mentioned the HR tech landscape. You know, it's definitely fast growing. It's dynamic. Um, you look, we see, we see what people like Josh Burson and what Red Thread Research, they, I mean, what they talk about is this really thriving marketplace. We've seen, you know, some recent, recent acquisition and, and investment by other companies in this space as well. You know, what's it like to be part of such a fast growing dynamic HR tech landscape? And what are some of the challenges involved with running a company in this space? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's unbelievably exciting what's happening in the space. And I'm so glad, glad my career has allowed me to actually enter it and really be you know, in the mix on a lot of these conversations. And as you said, acquisitions, even IPOs, you know, so much excitement happening in the space. There are a couple of um, trends that I think they're contributing to that. And one is one that we talked about, and you, you wrote an amazing piece about this, of just the fact that the HR function has completely transformed, right, in the role it plays in an organization. And you've said it yourself, I think, on other episodes, and we've talked about this, right? It was almost akin to what the CFO experienced during the financial crisis. Um, and so you have HR's elevated role uh, more than ever in an organization, which is contributing to you know a lot of eyes on the function, which is amazing. Um, also combined with the fact, as you wrote, you know, the, if you look at the value of a company today, you know, 84% of it is intangible assets, a majority of which is people. And so the reality is companies are really, the people are its most valuable assets. Then you have this um, function becoming more data-driven, right? So there's a lot of actually um, insights and analytics really powering the function, which is very powerful. And then finally, you have employee experience changing. Right, and this idea that there are already changing expectations of what employees expected out of their careers and mobility and all of that. But now you have, you know, because of the pandemic, you have companies like Spotify and Salesforce saying the nine to five is dead, we're going remote forever. And so all those pieces contribute to this incredible influx of attention into the HR function and the space. And so you have these VCs, they're investing a lot of money. Really, I saw some report recently that said there's basically in the past half year, there's been more investment in the space than there were in the first 10 years of investment in work tech. And it's not surprising to me at all, right? Because there's such a, all these pieces are coming together to allow for it. It's very exciting to, because the work is also meaningful. You know, where I started my career, it was, it was exciting and the ad tech was, you know, so much innovation happening and marketing tech and all of that. But 
the work we're fundamentally doing, all these companies, is really helping individuals create more meaningful careers, meaning and purpose in their day-to-day, and then helping organizations really get the best out of their people to create cultures and environments where they can thrive. And that's meaningful work. So the only challenge, frankly, in all of that, you can probably tell in my voice, there's so much excitement around being here. The, the Really, the only challenge is, are we keeping pace and are we keeping up? Meaning, yeah. there is such an incredible opportunity I wake up every day thinking, how do we get something like Gloat in the hands of more customers and the more partners? Because we see the impact we're having, right? We're we're blessed to have on our list, you know, the some of the leading companies in each industry, we, you know, from Unilever, Nestle, and PepsiCo, and CPG, and Walmart, and retail, and Mastercard, HSBC, and Standard Chartered Bank. But we're just almost scratching the surface of the impact we can have, and and that's what I think keeps me up at night, almost thinking about: Are we moving fast enough? to bring what we're doing to more people and also just enable the impact that we know we can have before, frankly, it's too late for some of these companies because every company needs to adapt very quickly to these changing times and employee expectations have shifted. So how do we actually partner with organizations like we have with our first set uh, to to really enable organizations to thrive and, and individuals to have more meaning in their careers and their lives? Yeah, I love that. That's, that's making some notes. So I didn't forget to come back to you on some of these things, but it's, Almost like, um, in many respects, data analytics is transforming HR, just as it transformed marketing 10 to 15 years ago. And obviously, you've seen it on that side as well and, and coming through, which kind of makes it a very exciting time. When you add the pandemic on top of that and the whole way that's really thrown things up around, you know, the ways of working. Uh, and we still don't know how long the pandemic's going to last. And we still don't know what the new normal, if it's, if we can call it that, is going to be. And, and I guess, you know, it's employee experience. It's, it's like we, as employees, we expect similar experiences we get as consumers. It's got to be personalized. It's got to be easy to use. It's, we've got to get value from it. And, you know, let's be honest, traditional HR tech from a few years ago just doesn't do that. It's, it's that kind of one size fits all. There's such a mindset change. It's not just the technology. It's a mindset change. It's change management for HR as well to, 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 you know, adapt to this kind of new way of working for them, I guess, as well. So, you know, the opportunity, though, is, as you say, is huge. Absolutely agree. Just just adding on to that, too, I, I love that point you said. Everything you said is something that we think about all the time, too, right? Because it's it's adapting fast enough, but it's also building solutions that almost approach this HR tech space in a totally different way, right? Because what you said, building something that has the end user and end employee in mind, it's core to what we're doing. And that's really what differentiates Globe, for example. And one of the reasons I was so excited about what they're building they don't approach this challenge as, hey, how do we optimize for the backend experience, right? Yes, we use the best AI. Yes, we use really amazing architecture. Yes, we make it really seamless for this, the admin and the you know on the backend. But at the end of the day, what matters is, does the end user engage with the technology? Does the end user, to your point, change enablement, right? Are they motivated, inspired, uh, empowered to use the technology. And those are all the things that I think excite us about what we're doing with Gloat is that it's partly technology and it's technology built that's consumer grade, right? I think that is so important in HR tech today. And you see more of that pressure happening in the space right now, right? Is it mobile friendly? Is it designed well? Um, and you're going to see more and more of that pressure, I think. And you see that even in investments that are being made. You know, you get asked now as a company, you know, what is your 
the engagement rate, right? They're almost looking at MAUs, even DAUs sometimes, just like you would at a consumer tech platform. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, the beauty of what we're doing is we we live and breathe that. We're trying to build technology and we have built technology that's really optimized for consumers and the end user really, right? And that's what I mean is the end employee. Because once you get the employee engaging, then it opens up all these opportunities for the HR function and also the business to really optimize that talent, right? Once you're actually getting employees sending you signals and engaging. Um, and then the change enablement piece, we'll talk about more. I love that you brought that up. That is such an important component of that because it's not just about technology. It's about how you create an environment for these things to happen. You even mentioned talent hoarding. I'm sure we'll get back to that in, in a minute as well, but I totally agree with you. Yeah, and, and if we if we will definitely get onto get get onto all of those things. I just want to stay with the HR tech landscape for the time being. Obviously, we're speaking in late February, and this this uh, this episode is going to go out in March. We've already seen a lot of activity already this year, you know. And as for a company like Glowit, for you, you know, there's been the acquisitions, IPOs. As you said, there's a fragmentation almost of the HR tech landscape. How do you see? How do you see it evolving? You know, what are, what do you think is going to happen? I won't. I won't hold you to it either. <laughs> no, you can. Hold, let's do another episode and revisit our <laughs> predictions. I uh, the fragmentation conversation is a very interesting one, and you know I often, as you can probably gather, look at my past experience and my experience in consumer tech as yeah. a leading indicator of what happens in enterprise. And we just touched on it, right? This idea of UX and design and end user experience, you know, that mattered 10, 15 years ago in consumer tech made its way into HR tech, right? HCM is now selling uh, based on the, the user experience. Uh, same thing with mobile, right? Where you're just catching up, I think, in enterprise space. You can't buy a product without having a mobile solution. But, you know, when you have mobile only products launching now on the consumer side, and I think we'll see some of that in, in, in the HR tech and just enterprise tech space. But the reason I bring that up is because we've been talking about fragmentation and consolidation, that debate for over a decade in the consumer tech space, right? Both on the consumer side, but also in the MarTech landscape. And what I really gathered over the years, because I didn't know what would happen on the consumer side, where I think I land on this is that people really do have expectations for purpose-built solutions. And what I mean by that is if you think about some of the technologies and apps you might use where it's WhatsApp or Signal, right? Very different use case than your Uber or Lyft. Very different use case than Amazon. Very different use case than Google. Very different use case than LinkedIn. Very different use case than Netflix and YouTube, right? And despite those companies' best attempts to consolidate and just create one monolithic experience, at the end of the day, users have an expectation to get the best quality experience for what they're trying to do. And so that's why I'm not, you know, booking travel on Amazon or buying cars on Amazon. That's why I'm not necessarily doing networking with colleagues on Google. Yeah. So that I think logic has to apply in the enterprise tech space as well, where we're not all of a sudden, we, people talk about this all the time, right? But when I leave me being a consumer and go into work, I'm not fundamentally changing my expectations. I'm still the same human being. And so this idea that you can just, you know, replicate something or consolidate and create one platform that does it all, as amazing as that sounds in theory from an admin perspective and making lives easier for, you know, the HR admin administrators or IT, from the end user perspective, if you care about people using and engaging and really making the most of a technology, I think purpose-built solutions are here to stay. Hmm. Now... Could consolidation happen on the back end? I think yes, and it should in a way, meaning these systems 
should talk to one another seamlessly. And whether they all belong to one company through acquisition or they're just very smart integrations that are seamless for the admin, that's a totally different you know, experience in that conversation where I absolutely think, and even Gloat, the way we built our technology, integrations are at the core of what we do, right? So Gloat plays incredibly well with an ATS, with the learning system, with the, um, with the core HCM, right? And core HRIS system, because the more data talks to one another, the more powerful each of those pieces is going to be, and definitely the more powerful Gloat will be. So the, on the back end, I think there needs to be consolidation and integration, if you will, seamlessly. But for the end user experience, I think it's so important for purpose-built solutions for specific use cases to exist. Now, how that happens contractually, financially, there's a lot of different ways that can play out. But I think that's at the core of our belief is that purpose-built is incredibly important, but you need these systems to talk to, to one another on the back end. Yeah, because if you're going to link all those things together, you need the data and the data needs to come from that all those systems that you mentioned and i think it's interesting because uh, we went through the kind of one system to rule the world or rule rule the world kind of conversation in hr tech a few years ago and i think there's a realization now that that's just not realistic you you've got to make too much compromise and i'm not going to mention any companies by name but you know the compromise might be that if you if you take the whole system the, the ats might not be very good it's not, not necessarily best in class and i guess now that you've got this fragmentation proliferation of all these different tools it's probably impossible anyway for one organization no matter how big or how successful they are to provide everything at the highest you know being the best at everything across the board it's just it's just unrealistic so as you said it's it's more about how they integrate together how they share data how they provide a great user experience which should benefit all of the companies kind of involved in that in that ecosystem with a company so absolutely um, so obviously, talent marketplace is a relatively new concept. I think actually, Gloat might have been the first to, to use the, the use the term. It's something that's really caught on, um, and certainly, whenever I'm talking to uh, a senior HR uh, leader in a big global company at the moment, it's one of the first few things that gets mentioned. So, why do you think that talent marketplace skills inference solutions why are they gaining so much traction now? So there were a number of trends that were true before the pandemic that I think were just accelerated by it that created this surge in demand for the talent marketplace. And to simplify it, I would put it into two macro trends. So the first, there is this realization that people and specifically the talent within the organization was really the most important asset, right? And that was true of in the corporate environment, right? As we all dispersed and started working remotely and there's this collective realization that the building doesn't really matter as much as the people that were doing the work. We saw, um, even though you can debate it, but you saw a lot of productivity kind of maintain and people working very effectively because it was about the people doing the work. But you also saw it, you know, partners of ours like Walmart on the front lines, right? The, the people that were actually on the front lines in retail and manufacturing, um, they really kept the economy running. So talent became this very clearly the lifeblood of both business, but also really the global economy during this time. And there's a collective realization of that very real fact that we talked about of that 84 plus percent, you know, being intangibles in the business now and not the buildings driving the value. I think the world collectively realized that. Um, the second trend was that businesses needed to be more agile than ever before, right? So you have this amazing talent, and you need talent in the organization, but you need to adapt to the changing dynamics of the environment and the market in almost real time. 
And so when you had, you know, the wave of COVID hitting in certain regions, but not others, right? How do you actually staff up in certain places while staffing down in others? Um, when you had, you know, retail getting, getting hard hit in a region, but then the customer service reps were, you know, phones were going off the hook. How do you actually redeploy talent from retail to, you know, the, the web um, and web support? And so created this as, as these two trends when they came together and, and companies tried to solve them. I think there was a collective realization that we don't necessarily have the tools in place to do this effectively. Because the traditional ways of doing it were just not fast enough and they were not efficient enough. So if you think about external sourcing and hiring, it was just really not the answer during something like the pandemic because it's not fast enough, right? You don't have the luxury of time to source uh, onboard talent, actually deploy them effectively. And it's also just so wildly inefficient when you know in a certain region or a certain business line, you're actually having to furlough people and potentially thinking about letting them go. And you have this surge somewhere else on like the internet business. How do you actually redeploy talent, right? So the idea of external hiring solving that was not really the answer. Um, there's also been a lot of focus on learning and uh, how do you actually upskill people? And the reality is you can't just take a huge group of people, put them through a course and then redeploy them somewhere. For some people that might work, but the reality of this idea of learning, helping people do a certain job in real time, it wasn't the, a real solution during this moment. And then finally, the, the legacy HRIS systems, the data that we have in place, as much as it's been great to move things to the cloud, make them more efficient, connect data sources and sets, the reality is there's a huge missing gap of data, right? And so we had countless conversations with CHROs and executives talking about, okay, we had a need in one region and yeah, considering furloughing in another, clearly there's an opportunity to redeploy talent, but we don't have the data. The profiles are incomplete in the HR system. We don't know what skills we have with these individuals. And so for us to be able to redeploy talent, we don't really have the visibility we need to do that. And that's really where the talent marketplace came in because it was a truly a purpose-built solution for all these challenges we just described, right? How do you connect business business needs and opportunities tied to those critical business needs with the right talent, skills, and capacity in the organization, really at the individual level. And so you had this amazing opportunity for to automate this experience, make it wildly efficient because a purpose-built solution like a talent marketplace is designed to solve that. Um, and it really helps on both ends, right? It's a talent marketplace because you have both ends of the market and the marketplace contributing to solving this challenge. So for individuals, you're empowering them. You're basically saying, hey, we wanna know your skills. We wanna know your capabilities and also your aspirations and desires and your capacity. And so you're almost from the employee level or the associate level, you're getting visibility into the business. And then managers in near real time without you know, the HR team or management having to overthink this and like slow it down, managers in real time basically saying, hey, I need support on something happening in my market. We have a digital launch happening or we need you know, support in the hygiene product deployment. Whatever might be happening in the business, managers now are empowered to actually raise their hand and say, hey, we could use support. And the talent marketplace, that's the beauty of technology and AI. It creates this seamless approach, right? Forget the manual spreadsheets that we were hearing people were using to redeploy talent. All of this is actually powered in real time through technology. And that's what made it so powerful. You had a deep need in the market for it and you had a purpose-built solution. 
And that's where, you know, all of that wasn't just theoretical. We had some of our earliest partners like Unilever have these incredible stories where in the first 60 days of the pandemic, they were able to redeploy a huge number of their talent using the globe powered marketplace that they call flex, flex experiences. And so they were able to staff, you know, I think the numbers were 700 plus business critical projects. They unlocked uh, tens of thousands of hours that would otherwise have been unused. And um, the amazing thing about it too, is they connected the globe almost overnight where 60% of the job assignments and the role assignments were cross country which just would never have happened without a talent marketplace in action because you're so focused on your region, right? And so it enabled them to really be so efficient and adapt in almost real time to the changing dynamics. And that was just the beginning of COVID. They had countless stories um, around this. And eventually, you know, Alan Jope, the CEO, as Yeroon, I think, talked about on, on the previous podcast, the talking about how at the investor meeting, you know, how critical the talent marketplace and flex experiences was for them during the COVID pandemic to be agile and to redeploy talent in the places where the business needed it. Uh, at the time, he said it was about 300,000 hours unlocked. Now they're up to half a million hours unlocked. And that's just, you know, it's almost a, a snowball effect. It's getting larger and larger. And we continue every week hearing incredible stories from that business of how the talent marketplace is helping in real time to match needs of the business to opportunities and capacity and skills that already exist. Um, but it wasn't just Unilever, right? Standard Chartered Bank, amazing story from them. Of We launched with the first group of 12,000 people in the bank. Um, and it wasn't just about being more efficient with talent redeployment, right? That's just the beginning. Now you also have the opportunity to expose people to opportunities to make them feel like there's an opportunity for growth within the business. And that's exactly what we measured and found with Standard Chartered. So those first 12,000 people, not only did we unlock, you know, thousands of hours of productivity that were trapped, we also, and we love this stat, we also saw huge upticks in people feeling like there was an opportunity for career growth. And that's really meaningful to us, right? Because you're not just unlocking productivity or creating efficiency in the system, all of which are critical and will continue to be critical, but you're also making individuals feel like they have an opportunity for growth uh, and development. And we'll get into even more examples probably as the conversation goes on, but all of those macro trends, the deep need, the lack of a, a solution in many organizations that is really purpose-built for this, and then the talent marketplace and particularly GLOAT, having, we've been doing this for years, right, and being able to apply that in a time of such need, uh, and we're just starting you know, to scale this more and more, um, obviously had incredible impact with our existing partners and saw a huge influx of interest and demand uh, because of all the you know, success I just talked about. And I suppose if we think about it, um, it's that great example about you know, redeploying people from other countries to support areas of the business that are really busy, partly because of the pandemic, but that could happen anyway, the natural ebb and flow of business. And if we think to the future, who knows what it's going to be? But I think it's, you know, I think we're pretty safe to say there's going to be more hybrid working than there was before. So if you've got a big global organization, you know, it's almost like we, we know now that you have to have Zoom or, Zoom or Teams in your business to effectively run remotely. You almost need something like a talent marketplace to also run remotely as well. So you can redeploy people quickly. People can get on projects that are maybe being led in other countries or in other business functions. And, and, that, and that also supports the agility of the organization to ultimately respond to customers. So 
um, you know, it, it, it's it, it, as you said, it's a, it does open some interesting doors, I think, for a, for technologies like Glow. Yeah, it absolutely does. So, you know, you talked about a couple of them. What are, what are the thought, some of the thorny business problems that solutions like Glow are trying to solve for? I mean, you talked a couple of examples there, um, but what are some of the other kind of business problems that Glow can help solve? I think you said it so well just now. So I almost didn't cut you off because what you were just talking about is is at the heart of uh, what really Glow can enable for businesses. You know, you, you you almost talked about speed and scale is at the heart of what we're doing, right? So there are all these fundamental challenges that HR is dealing with right now is how are we upskilling the workforce? How are we future-proofing the workforce, right? Do we have the talent and skills, uh, both from a skill set perspective, but also, you know, diversity perspective within our four walls? And how do we do that more efficiently than ever before, right? Because and you've, you've seen this, I think you even talked about this recently of just HR, despite how important it is, you know, there's also restrictions on headcount. And that's happening across the business, right? Because people don't want to be too aggressive at hiring right now in certain industries. But HR is definitely feeling that. So how do you almost do more with less with all those strategic goals? And at the core of all of that for us is this idea of, of moving faster and more efficiently with all of these you know, objectives. And that's what really Gloat enables, right? We're talking about in larger enterprises, breaking down this understanding of what skills and capabilities and also passions do you have from every individual? What does the business need done? Right? What are the opportunities that need to need matching so that we can su- survive and thrive as a business? And how do you connect those two most efficiently? And we talk about this a lot, you know, at, at, at Glow, where the reason that's not happening today, we believe, is that we're still using this hundred-year-old system, hundred-plus-year-old system of managing talent. Like if you look like an, at an org chart a hundred plus years ago and you look at one today, they're really not that different, sadly, right? They're literally people in boxes and hierarchies and ladders. And as much as we talk from a theoretical standpoint, you know, a lot of analysts, like we, you hear a lot of conversation about moving to super teams and more agile ways of work. But if you really look at a, an org chart in most organizations, it hasn't fundamentally changed that much. And so that's really what we're trying to do at the core. Like that's the fundamental challenge we're trying to solve is how do you unbox talent, if you will, because it's not good for the business, right? You're creating silos and bureaucracy that doesn't need to exist. And it's terrible for individuals. You know, I shared my Google story. You shared yours without naming a name. You know, there's so many people feeling trapped by whatever box they're put in. And they know that they actually have so much more capability and so many more passions that they can give to the business. But the way the systems are set up, we're not really allowing people to be their best selves. We're not allowing them to tap into those skills and capabilities. And so that's at the core of what we're trying to do is how do we use technology and AI? We built what we we really fundamentally believe is the very best AI in the space, purpose-built for this. Breaking down talent, understanding within an organization, you know, skills, passions, capabilities, and capacity, and then matching that to the jobs to be done, the opportunities that need to be done in an organization most efficiently. And you bring that to life, right? Now, all of a sudden, we are believers that the largest organizations can be as nimble and agile as startups. There's no reason for us to actually slow down the larger we get. And so that's at the core of what we believe we do. Like when we create this agility within an organization, right? Speed and scale. It then allows all these other things to happen, right? So you're building a more networked organization. You're democratizing career opportunity because you're actually in in career development. 
because you're exposing people to opportunities they may never have had visibility into. And you're really helping employees find opportunities for growth. Just a couple quick examples to bring this to life, because a lot of these things are you know, good in theory. But this is what excites me, is seeing the actual impact of what we're talking about here. So amazing story out of Turkey, launch of a new ice cream brand. There's a brand manager who says, hey, it's getting competitive. We want to launch a new ice cream brand. He doesn't have headcount. So how does he take this challenge? So he posts the project, gets within a weeks, a team from glo global team of people from India, LATAM, and Europe to support him on this vision to create a new premium ice cream brand. Not only did he all of a sudden un unlock capacity that was existing in the organization and passion of people that wanted to work in a different region on a different business line, it also, this is my favorite part, it also in enabled innovation that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Because what they did is that they introduced flavors into that ice cream line that the person in Turkey didn't even know existed because the person from India knew this large enterprise and many people listening here probably have no idea what the supply chain is like in a different part of the world, right? You don't yeah. know the ingredients you have access to. And so that is probably my favorite part of that story where it wasn't just about getting the work done. It was about actually getting the work done in a more innovative, creative way. So they introduced flavors in the ice cream that, that you know didn't exist in Turkey before because it was using the, the talent from around the globe. Um, and then one other just quick example is it's moving beyond all of that even to actual business impact. So there's another story, amazing redeployment of talent uh, when COVID hits, basically bringing together within a week, a team of 10 people launching entirely new products, 15 different products that came to market and being attributed to about 280 million euros of revenue in new products brought together literally using a talent marketplace. So those are the types of stories that really excite me. You know, there's the macro level is incredible, right? The democratizing talent and creating these opportunities for individuals, unboxing talent. But when you hear those stories of the new ice cream brand launch or, you know, uh, several new products leading to actual revenue, now we're really realizing this dream of this isn't just feel good. This isn't just, you know, traditional kind of, hey, benefits HR. This is strategic business imperatives, driving the business forward type of human resources. And these projects are coming from HR. But as you hear, you know, with an Alan Job talking about to this to the street of saying this is this is so important that the CEO is talking about it. So that's what really I think is the opportunity for a talent marketplace in Globe specifically. Yeah, I'm, I mean amazing stories and, and also, you know, everyone wins. You know, the the company wins. The manager in Turkey, for example, won because he got his new He's got his new ice cream brand and, and a flavor that an innovation he never would have had if he'd just done it in country. And the people that worked on the project got got experience and got to you know exhibit their skills and 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 grow learning. So and you can see you can see the power of this. You can really see the power of it. But you know, obviously, you've create almost created a uh, a marketplace, if you pardon the pun. Um, but you created a market for for talent marketplace. But what what are some of the misconceptions that that globe faces because i imagine there are some yeah i'm glad you asked that so um this is you know as we're talking about it this is uh can be seen as a big shift in organizations and one of the things going back to that point about talent management and thinking about it you know in almost this hundred year old approach there are still a lot of misconceptions that exist i think as you approach a challenge like this and one of the first we hear all the time is just because of the way we've thought about job architectures in the past, right? So the first reaction is, okay, 
if we're going to do this, we need to slow down and we need a job architecture. We need a skills taxonomy. We need the skills library, right? We need to manually map all those skills to the roles and create the perfect hierarchy. And then we can launch the marketplace. But that's actually the fundamentally the reason why a marketplace succeeds so well and why Glow succeeds so well is because you lean into the technology, into the AI, to actually put all of that to the side. And not only is it not necessary for GLOAT, I actually think it's unnecessary for a lot of organizations in this day and age to go through that exercise. You know, you've talked about it, the diminishing half-life of skills. But the, the sad reality is a lot of these, especially at a large organization, you go through a skills mapping exercise, you go through a career uh, architecture exercise. By the time you're done with it, you know, a full third of the skills you map might be outdated. And even worse... Yeah. By the time you're rolling them out, when you apply it, you know, when you decide what skills go with project management, are, are your managers actually going to apply it that consistently across the organization? So now you have the definition of project management or a program manager completely different. And so the skills that you mapped out might not even be applied in the right way. So all of that to say that the power of AI and technology is that you don't need any of that. You can actually start and let the technology do the work for you. And so that's where, you know, for us, we talk about it as a self-evolving skills ontology. Now, the reason that's really powerful is that the system learns from itself as managers need new skills and post opportunities they want done. The system is learning in real time from, oh, look at this is a new skill that managers are looking for. Not because we got in a room and decided it was going to be important, right? By the time it rolls into a system, it's outdated. This is in real time. Business needs something. You post a skill. All of a sudden, the system sees it. And reverse, on when you see individuals saying, hey, here are the aspirations. Here's the skills that I want to learn because you do that all in the talent marketplace, right? This isn't just a top-down approach. This yeah. is empowering individuals to say, what do I want to learn? What do I care about? And so when you can, can have a technology at the, the center of that transaction, right? That's why a marketplace, um, you can actually develop a skills ontology almost in real time. So this idea that you need to slow down and do you know, this big project in order to get started is not only not necessary, it's, I wouldn't even recommend it, right? You let the talent marketplace do a lot of the work for you. And I guess maybe start with a pilot, you know, within an organization and, and learn, you know, as you said, work agile, iterate, learn, you know, move on from there. You know, is there any other, I mean, you talk about some of the misconceptions, what's the number one thing holding prospective clients back from, from moving? Is, is it that, is it this feel that they need to do all this pre-work before they can start? Or is there other, other things that potentially holds people back? I think that one is definitely one of them. There's this feeling that you need to do a bunch of pre-work before this can work. The other one, and this ties on some of the themes we've been hitting on, is you know this idea of I'm not ready, and it's more like change readiness in the organization. You know, Are our people ready? And the reality is that no one's really ready you know, for a change like this until you just do it. No one was ready for the pandemic, and then you saw HR do just such amazing things, right? Yeah. The, the, really meet the moment, if you will, on some of the challenges thrown their way. And so I think um, there's this, this fear that, hey, we don't, we don't know how to actually roll this out or we don't know how to implement it. And, and that's where I'll say there is a, a legitimacy to that because there are change management components that need to be considered. But that's where you need a partner that's thinking about this day in and day out and really specializing in this, right? So the reason we have such success with our partners um, is that we have a change enablement team at the ready to complement the technology. So when you deal with issues like talent hoarding, or you deal with, you know, how do we actually inspire change with the organization? We have a playbook, we have experts, 
So when we roll this out, we know how to do it right. So that's really important. I think when you're choosing, when you're thinking about talent marketplace, it's not just going to be about the technology. It's certainly not just flicking on a feature of an HCM, right? Because this needs to be a purpose-built solution that thinks about talent marketplace beyond just full-time jobs to all the different nuances of it, to projects and gigs, to uh, mentorships and a lot of other things that are on the way um, with, with Globe because we're really thinking about this day in, day out, right? How do you create agility within an organization? How do you even think about learning in different ways, yeah. right? Not just learning as taking a course or taking a, a class of some sort, really learning through experience. But in order to have a success with that, you also do need that change enablement piece. Um, and that's very important for us because we are a full service shop. We work hand in hand with our partners to create a marketing campaign internally, right? To actually create change management and, and permission and role models within an organization from the top down to say, hey, this is the new way of working. So when we launched at Nestle, you know, we have their US president talking about how the marketplace is the future of work for us. This is at the core of everything we're doing as an organization. And you see the same thing at Schneider and Seagate. You have leadership coming out and saying, this is the future of work. And we work hand in hand with them to create those assets to actually enable that change. And then we have a team that really helps tackle some of those challenges like talent hoarding and other, and other elements. So when you combine this realization that, hey, you can actually, it's, you don't have to slow down. You can move quickly because the technology can do a lot of the work, but you also have a change enablement team at your back. And that is an important one, right? I think I do worry someone going and say, hey, we have a talent marketplace, flick a switch, technology's there. So, hey, we'll hope people use it. We don't think that's going to succeed. But if you combine the technology and the best technology that's purpose-built with the change enablement expertise, we've seen the success. And this is the last point I'll make. Not in months or years, right? We're talking like weeks, like within 13 weeks, to your point of yeah. maybe it might not be overnight, the full organization and every single type of talent, feature within the talent marketplace. But to have impact on your organization, literally within 13 weeks, we can get up and running and making impact on the employees and the business. I mean, that's you can't ask for more than that. And and in terms of you know, there's, there's, we think about stakeholders. Certainly, um, what we do around people industries, we say stakeholders actually sometimes probably the most important thing. Which are the stakeholders that need the most convincing around talent marketplace? Is it the employee, the manager, HR, or, or business leaders, or a bit of all of them? <laughs> I think managers, definitely. You know, you talked about this, uh, this concept of talent hoarding is very real, right? We have this obsession almost with, hey, I'm going to fight for my headcount, and then I want to keep it. I don't want to lose yeah. it. And so the talent hoarding piece is a very interesting one where we deal with in every organization. Um, what is amazing, though, is when that moment happens, when a manager realizes, wait, I'm not giving up capacity, net, net, I'm actually increasing the capacity of my team. Because yes, I might have someone that does a 20% project somewhere or, or you know, gets an interest and a passion point they pursue outside of their day-to-day -day job. But A, you're getting a person that all of a sudden is very energized and excited by that project. There's this incredible story from Schneider Electric where someone was hired in more on the engineering and data side and then next thing you know, they're actually posting a story about how there was a need for a photographer in the business. And he had this passion for photography, not something any recruiter would have known or even within the company, like, yeah, maybe your direct team knows. Yeah. But they posted this role and he said, hey, I'd love to actually practice my photography skills. And the next thing you know, he's writing a blog post about how the talent marketplace enabled him to pursue his photography passion while also doing his day job. And so as a manager, when you see that right now, you have an engaged employee who's becoming an advocate for the company. 
And at the same time, you're actually seeing other talent come into your organization because you as a manager can post roles and opportunities as well. And so it is actually, that's a magic moment when we're working with our partners where you see that flip, the switch kind of flip where this traditional way of working of like, hey, I have this one person in a box that's reporting to me and has these specific objectives just to me. When you break that free and see the benefits, that is a magic moment, but it does take some work. And it is that management level where we're doing a lot of that kind of change enablement work. And then you get advocates like the the manager you mentioned in Turkey, you know, he's talking to his his colleagues saying, no, actually this is, you know, this is something that's going to actually help you more than than anything else. So if we, if, if we can gaze into the crystal ball, for a moment um don't just do that every december you know where do you think talent marketplace is going next you know what's what do you think's the next evolution in this space what are you working towards at, at globe for example yeah we have a very visionary company you know you um anyone listening i don't know if you're aware but um we had um aaron Au from success factors um you know founder of success factors join us as a chief strategy officer uh, we have Lars from Success Factors, um, you know, as an investor and advisor. We have a very big vision for what we're doing. So I'll spare you the hours of visionary work <laughs> that we have ahead of us, really thinking about the future of work. But I'll give you kind of the quick hits of what's next, even in, let's say, our product roadmap, kind of a year next year. You know, one of the things we think about uh, a lot is how do we make impact on every single type of work and worker? So we have already had a lot of success. Um, you know, across organizations and globally rolling out, but we're working uh, really to optimize with a few of our early partners. Um, how do we think about the frontline worker experience? How do we optimize the experience for those workers? Um, and just think about, you know, even contingent labor, um, moving beyond just uh, kind of what you have within your own four walls. Like you're managing a lot of different resources. How do we think about all of those types of work and worker? Um the other one is, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about this marketplace and marketplaces where, you know, we have optimized for the internal experience, but thinking about how do we connect cross company and something that comes up quite a bit. You know, you saw Accenture did some great work there and just a vision of, of what can be done on that. Um, you also think about just even external to internal and connecting those more seamlessly. Um, and then the, mo- the thing that excites me most, and we're doing a lot of work on is just more use cases. You know, I talked about how we evolved from obviously, you know, and, and we already have full-time roles and gigs and projects um, and mentorships. But you think about succession planning and dynamic talent relocation and also learning, which I talked about, um, but also knowledge sharing. You know, how do we actually create? That's the beauty of what we're enabling, right, is that we're actually creating a map of knowledge in an organization. And so that's what I get excited about is that we are not a system of record. We are not a system of transaction. This is an engagement yep. system. We hold ourselves to the metrics of a monthly active user to like our people coming back re-engaging. And we're really proud to say that we can go neck to neck with a consumer app on some of these things. And that's why we're having that success. So for us is how do we create more resources like that that keep people coming back and knowledge and almost creating an engagement hub are at the center of that. Lots to come then. <laughs> basically. Yes. And um lots yeah. to come. And I guess that 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 thing about potentially connecting companies together. You know, so they potentially can start, you know, effectively sharing talent. You know, become really flexible and agile. That 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 could be really interesting. I think could really shake things up a little bit. Which leads us on to the the question we're asking everyone on this series. You know, will talent marketplace mean jobs don't exist anymore? I love this question. It's near and dear to us because we just hosted an amazing webinar uh, just about a week or two ago. Um, that with uh, 
Dr. John Boudreau of USC and uh, Mercer's Raven Jesuthason. And, you know, they wrote this incredible um, paper and now writing the book, releasing the book on um, work without jobs. Yeah. And we are so aligned in how they see the world, actually. We love the, the conversation we had with them because the idea is that jobs will still exist, but I think the way we look at jobs needs to fundamentally shift and is already shifting, right? It's not that we need to shift them. It's just naturally happening. Yeah. And the thing that needs to happen is one, we need to deconstruct jobs on one end. So think about a job isn't just, hey, this is a job title and this is like what you're doing for the next year, five years of your life, right? This is thinking about the deconstructing the job into the tasks to be done and thinking beyond just one individual filling all of those tasks in that one job. And on the other the end, you also need to deconstruct talent, right? This idea of individuals having skills, passions, and aspirations, but also capacity, right? Like every week you start the week and you say, hey, this is how many of my hours are really accounted for. And how do you match those two dynamically? Because you have to break down both components and, and you can get much more nimble and almost swarm, as they say, to get work done and then finish the task and then redeploy. And that's a very new way of thinking about work, right? It's different than just OKRs and let's set the strategy for a year. But I actually think what happened with the pandemic just showed us how not only beneficial that can be, but also critical. And I don't think that's going away anytime soon. No, and, and as you said right at the start, you know, when you said, you know, you got the title VP Global Marketing, but you said you're getting involved in lots of other things as well. So you're kind of hinting there, practicing what you preach a bit. So Rizlan, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. I'm sure we could talk a lot longer. Um, can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you and follow you on social media and also, you know, how they can find out more about Gloat as well? Yeah, absolutely. We're very active on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, probably the best place to find us. Uh, for Gloat is, you know, Gloat Simple, G-L-O-A-T. Look us up on LinkedIn. We'd love to engage with you. Um, and then for me personally, uh, same thing, LinkedIn, Ruslan Tavbulatov. It's a mouthful, but look up R-U-S-L-A-N space T. Hopefully I'm one of the first that shows up. And I'm sure if you want to look me up, just look me up on Gloat as well. But I'd love to engage with anyone that wants to have a conversation around these topics. Well, thanks, Rusan, and we'll put you know the links to your uh, LinkedIn stuff on the on the publicity that goes out with the show. So it's been fantastic having you on. Um, really amazing stuff, I think, that you and Glo are doing, and some great examples, I think, that you brought out through our conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, dude. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the My HR Future website. That's all for this episode. But please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Karen Powell, Chief Talent and Learning Officer at IQVIA, about how they're using Talent Marketplace. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.